We are in, a, in the third week in our new series called Thrive. If you have been, and I, I did this last week, uh, and it made me seriously depressed, so I'm going to do it again this week. So our homework for this series was that we were supposed to be reading John 15, 1 through 17 every single day. Four of you did it last week, and I made a big deal about it. So how many people changed and read it more this week? Okay, triple. Okay, I like that. That's a good. That was a good increase. That's a good increase. Three hundred percent. No matter what it is, that's a good. That's a good investment. That's a good increase. Uh, thank you guys for being here this morning. We are. Um, we are about to do a message today, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you about this message. This message I cut it in half um, because there is a there's a point that I want us to get um, today, and 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 I may preach for twenty minutes or I may preach for three hours. I don't really know, um, but I want there's just I'm just kidding. Uh, there's just one point uh, that that I want you to get. I want you to take away, and, and this is one of those messages. And I say this from time to time. This is one of those messages where you could be like, oh, that's nice, and just leave and go about your day, and that's just one of those things and that you, you, know, you, just, you talk about it, and it's just one of those things. Or it could be one of those messages that alter your life forever. It's just the way, it's just the way that you want to receive it and the way that you want to hear it. And I, and I don't want to underestimate what God can do um, with this message. And so I just want to encourage you. I'm about to pray, and I, and I want to encourage you. I believe that you're here on purpose. I believe that you're sitting in this room today. There's a thousand other places that you could be, but you're here. Um, and I, I believe that God, at any given moment in time, has the ability to wreck somebody's life forever. Uh, just in an amazing way. And I want, as, as we pray today, as I pray, I want you to pray with me and pray that, that there's nothing, uh, that no distractions, no stresses from the week, nothing that, that's getting in your way and that God will just reveal to you in your heart and your mind uh, just the, the message of his heart this morning um, and that, that God will just bear fruit in your life um, from this message this morning if you'll just join me in prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you so much, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, for your spirit, God, just for the way that you've moved in this church, for the way you've moved in this the series, God. And, and I pray, Lord, this morning, just uh, specifically, uh, God, that, that you will open up uh, our hearts, our, the deepest part of who we are to you this morning, Father God, that you will uh, allow us to see things differently today uh, when we walk out of here than the way when we came in, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, transform uh, the way that we think about a few things in our life, God, this morning through this message. Lord, I pray, God, that ultimately that your will will be done, that your spirit will be here, your power and your presence will be felt, God, and that lives are changed and, uh, and this church is drawn closer to you uh, to be more like you in every way, shape, and form, Lord, that you would just be with us this morning. You're holy in your precious name. Amen. And now I'm just going to do just a little bit of recap. We're going to go and read John 15. If you have your Bibles, John 15, 1 through 17. Uh, if you've been a good Christian and you've been reading it every day, you could probably almost memorize it. Um, but for all the bad Christians, uh, pay attention. Uh, I am the true vine, starting with verse 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, the joy of Christ may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And so this is, and just to, to recap and to catch you guys up, if you've been on vacation or you fell asleep in the last few weeks or whatever the case may be, that the whole, this whole point, this entire thing is Jesus is, is on his way in. He, this is the last few days that he's going to be able to spend uh, with his disciples, the last few messages, the last few principles, the last few things that he can teach uh, to prepare us for life on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. And this is, this is the, one of the things that he says. And in my opinion, it's one of the most powerful metaphors Uh, that he gives us in all of scripture. It's one of the most powerful things that he teaches because he's literally teaching us how to thrive and how to succeed in this life as a follower of Christ after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And everybody always wants to know the how. This is the how. He he gives it to us uh, plain as day, super clear. It's one of the most important and one of the most powerful things that we could ever truly learn and apply in our lives. And he says, listen, guys, I want you to understand that I'm the vine, my father is the gardener, and you have to remain to me and uh, get connected to me and abide in me and abide in my word and abide in my love. So he means those three things, abide in me, abide in my word, abide in my love, remain in me, remain in my word, remain in my love. And when you do that, then, then the father, God, the gardener gets involved uh, in our lives. And so this is just two quick things that we learned. Uh, we talked about last week. We said that everything in our life is made up of systems. Everything, everything made up of our life, the way that we handle our finances, the way that we handle our dating, the way that we handle our marriages, the way that we handle uh, every little thing in our life, uh, there's something, that, that, that there's a system to it. The way that you think about things, why you do things the way you do them, there's habits and there's systems uh, all, all in them. If you remember, I got a little whiteboard and I drew last week and uh, somebody told me, they said that was the only uh, message in my entire life where someone drew on a board that was actually semi-interesting. And I was like, Thanks. I think. Got semi-interesting. So that was good. That was better than I hate you. I hope you die. So uh, it's just one of those things. And so I grew up here and I said, listen, there's a system in every single way that we do, every single thing that we do. And there is a gap between that system and who we are. And what, and what, what uh, Christ said, he says, is that if you will remain in my word, the way that you remain in my word and abide in my word is to take my word, take my wisdom, and take my ways. And you fill that gap in your life between you and those systems. And so that the financial system of your life is built on his word, his wisdom, and his ways. The dating system in your life is built on his word, his wisdom, and his ways. The marriage, the kids, the way you handle conflict, the way you uh, choose careers, the way you make decisions, every little system in your life is founded on uh, the, his word and his wisdom and his ways. He says that's what remains in his word is. That's what abiding in his word means. And, and that when we do that, when we begin to remain in him and remain in his word and abide in him and abide in his word, and we fill those gaps in our life with his word, his wisdom, and his ways, it says that it opens up the door to what we've been calling the gardener's process, or the process of the gardener. And it says that God begins to get involved in your life, and he begins to, to move, and he begins, as you learn, as you abide, and as you apply God's word and God's wisdom and God's ways to your life, that he begins to, to prune you, and he 
begins to change you and alter you and move you. And, and as you begin to, as you grow in God and grow in Christ and grow in his word, you start to bear fruit and, and he begins to prune you and then you bear more fruit and he prunes you some more and then you bear as much fruit. And then when you we live that life of producing fruit for God, it says that ultimately God gets glory and you are filled with joy. And it is just an amazing, it's an amazing process. And so those two things are important that we remember that as we kind of talk about some of the things that we're going to talk about today because it matters because everything that he says here, it just goes right down the line. And, 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 and we kind of ended with this one thought, and this is the part where I, I, want, I want to pick up with this. I want to pick up with this thought because for me, for me, when, when I was younger, and I, and I just want to, I just want to be honest with me. When I, when I was younger, I struggled heavily with the idea of finding what I was meant for in this life. And, and I think that in some ways, and we're not really consumed by it, uh, but there's just these seasons of life when we go through and maybe we ask questions like, is this it? Is this all that life is? And we go through different seasons of our life. And, and normally what tends to happen is we, is we think this, and this is one of those, and maybe not in your life, so maybe this is just me, maybe this is a horrible analogy and you're not going to get anything. And if that's true, just hang out. I'll be done in a minute and then you can go eat lunch. But for me, I would go through these different seasons of my life where I would begin to ask, you know, is this it? Is this, is this what my life's for? What am I supposed to do? Why am I here? If, I, if I'm not here by accident, if, if, if God's God and he's intentional God and he put me here on purpose, then, you know, then, then, then what is it? And I used to ask that question all the time. And I used to, I used to at certain seasons of my life, I was so, I don't know, like uh, just taken over, imprisoned by this idea of doing and finding, you know, what my purpose was, finding what my, what my, uh, my, the, the idea of who I am, what I'm supposed to do, what, what everything that I'm supposed to be. And, 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 and what would happen was, is I would go through and I would ask these questions and then something would come along, whether it was a job or it was a, a new girlfriend or it was this or it was that. And something would distract me from a while. And then a couple, you know, a couple months or a couple years later, I would, I would be back in another season where I'd be asking, you know, what, what's this? life for? What's the point? What, you know, what's the purpose? And, 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 and I think that on some level, and, and maybe different ways, on some level, everybody from different times in life and different seasons in their life, they come to that place where they're just like, what's, what's the point? Like, what are we doing here? What, it's usually when maybe the thing that was distracting us dissipates or it loses its glamour and, 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 and you thought this was what it was and then you get it and it wasn't what you thought it would be. And so now you're back in that little valley and you're like, you know, is this it? Is it anybody? Just, am I the only, has anybody ever been in one of those seasons of your life where you're just like, like what, what's the point? of all of this. Like, what, what's, the, what's the point of, of me being where I'm at in the now? And, and this is something else, and maybe this is just me, and it may not be you, maybe it's just me, but I used to always think that that purpose or that thing was just right around the corner. And no matter what, and when, and when I got around the corner, you know, when I, when I got around the bend, I don't know, around the river bend, yeah, <laughs> for the record, that's the third Disney accidental reference in the series. So, so the whole point, wow, okay, while we did that, thanks God. So the whole thing of Pocahontas, have you ever, have you ever seen Pocahontas, the cartoon? The whole thing, her entire, I swear on my life this wasn't planned in any way, shape, or form. It'll probably be horrible, but it just hit me. That entire song just around the river bend was, there's something better, something greater, something more just around the river bend, right? God's, Holy Spirit's cool. So it's just like, that's the whole, and, and so I've been there, and now I think we all get there, and it's just, no matter what it is, it's just around, just around the corner, just that next thing, it's, it's that next promotion, it's that next, you know, the relationship, it's that next thing, and that thing, that's going to be the thing. 
That's going to be the thing. And that, that's what my purpose is. And, and I remember even when I started preaching, even when I started teaching, you know, I, I, I would think like that, that position or that thing or that, that opportunity or that, that amount of people or that thing or that, that's going to be, that's going to be the thing. That's going to be the thing that, and, and, and then we just, we just kind of get, now just, have you ever been there? Where it's just like, you think, you know, for high school, for me, when I was in high school, I was just like, man, college is where it's going to be at. College is where I'm just gonna, it's going to be that thing, and I'm going to be able to find the purpose. I'm going to be able to, to get it. And then when I got in college, and I realized that in many ways, college is, is go to college, but in many ways, it's like you don't really learn much of anything, really. You probably should go to class more, and maybe that would be changed. But, but I just, there was just something about, like, it just didn't bring that thing to me that maybe I thought it was. And I was just, and I was just thinking, you know, it was just, you know, there's that next thing. And and, and it just never seems to come. And then I thought, okay, maybe it's the career, maybe it's the job, or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, and, and that's going to be the thing. And then I started doing the thing. And, then, and here's the thing, and this is the sad thing. So sometimes, even, even, even when I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring this amazing church, and, 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 I, and I'm sitting here, and I'm just going, I'm going, is, is this it? And, oh, is, this, is this it? Is, this, is, there something, is there something more? Is there something different? Am I, am I on it? God, is this, is this, the, is this your will? Not all the time, but and it's not like I don't appreciate it, dude. I'm, you guys are gold to me. You guys, you guys, are, like I love you guys so much. And it's not about it's not about something next, something bigger, something better. It's not about that. It's just it's just that am I am I am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing right now in this moment? Is is there something different, or is this is this it? If I found it and I'm and I'm heading, and so we're all always filled with these these questions of, of and if we do this, there's a there's a point. All this madness. If you if you do this. There's a chance, a big chance, that you miss out on some of the greatest experiences of your life in every season of your life because you're always looking to what's next. And you're always looking around the corner and you're always, you're always trying to find. And, and here's the thing that I want you to understand about your life. And, and we're going to get into this because Christ says a thing. He says a thing in, in the middle of this, right slap dead in the middle of this. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. You will find much success. You will find much purpose, or however you want to do that. You're, you're gonna, things are going to be good for you, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So God says, apart from Christ, you can do nothing. And here's where, I, here's where I want you to get this. And, and, and I went over this a little bit last week, and I probably shouldn't have. I went over this a little bit last week. We understand this principle in every single area of our lives, except for this one, really. Right? Because parents, you remember the analogy I gave last week? Kid comes home. All right, we'll just say his name's, I don't know, Matt LeCount. We'll just say Matt LeCount's his name. Raise your hand, Matt. That's Matt LeCount. Matt comes home. Rose, this is mom. Rose says, Matt, I need you to do some things for me. I need you to clean the kitchen. I know it's a miracle. I need you to clean the kitchen. I need you to clean your room, and I need you to do your homework. I need you to do those three things for me. Matt's actually a good kid, so he actually would probably do these three things. But just for the sake of the story, Matt's a bad kid today. So there's these three things that he needs to do. And, and he says, you know, Rose says, you got to be in. you got to be in bed at 11 o'clock. Also probably fictitious, but we'll just go with it. And so he says, here's the three things he needs to do. Well, Matt, Matt leaves the house. All right, Matt, Matt goes and plays basketball, and he wins 10 games of basketball. And, and he's just killing it. I mean, he's just hitting every shot he shoots. And, and there, was some, there was a pretty little girl. Y'all remember this from last week? This pretty 
little girl on the outside. I'm giving a name to the boy now. A little, on the outside, he walks out. She's like, hey, Matt. Matt's like, what's up, girl? And then they exchange numbers. All right. And Matt's just feeling like a winner. I mean, he, he, he scored some uh, points in the basketball game. He scored points in the basketball game. He meets this girl. All right. And he gets her number. They're going to they're gonna hang out later in a very Christian way. And, and so then he leaves there. All right. And he, he goes home. And, and, and on his way home, someone's like, hey, come, come play some video games. So they go and they're playing some Madden. And, and he just dominates the Madden game. He's just killing it. And, uh, and on his way you know, back home, he goes and he does something else. And he makes his thing. And he calls us girl. And, he just, and he's just killing it all day long. I mean, he's just having the greatest day of his life. And, and he's just walking up. I mean, he walks in the door uh, like some sort of weird version of Brad Pitt and Michael Jordan all put together. Um, just like walks. I mean, just just the man just walks in and, and he starts telling, he starts telling Rose, Rose, listen, he called her mom, mom, listen, this is all the stuff that I did today. And I just knocked it out and I just do this. And, and then, and then Rosie says, well, did you, did you clean the kitchen? Did you clean your room? Did you do your homework? No, nah, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hear me. I just did. I did. Maybe you didn't see, let me pull her up. You didn't see her face. Let me, she's hot. So my mom just, you know, look at this. I won. Right. Now, would you, success, would you say that, 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 that Matthew, according to Rose, did Matthew do anything that day of any value? No, because Rose said, here are some things that I need you to do, and, and, and Matt didn't get it done. I, and see, in a lot of ways, that's the way that we live our life. In a lot of ways, that's the way that we live our life, that, that God's got a thing for us to do. God's got a calling on our life. God's got a purpose on our life. God's got this, there's some things that he's called us to do, and it's, within, it's in this realm, this, this very specific, very, very specific round idea, and everything outside the circle or the sphere of purpose, no matter what we accomplish on the outside to God, it's nothingness. See, and this, this messes with us. This, this kind of this hurts our feelings a little bit because, you know, we're like, God, and remember, remember, there's a whole group of people in Revelations. There's a whole group of people that show up and they're talking to God and they're like, God, but we did all of this and we did all of this in your name and we did all of this in your name and we did all these great things. And, and he says, listen, one, I never knew you, so depart from me. So it's very, 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 very reasonable to believe that there's many, 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 many people who are going to spend a large portion of their life being very, very busy, doing a lot of great things, building a lot of great kingdoms, doing a lot of things. And when they get to the door, he's going to say, you were never connected to me. I never knew you. And all the things that you did, they were nothingness. Now, I know that hurts our politi politically correct little American minds where everything we do is important and everything we do matters and we get a trophy for everything. Now, I understand that, right? I get that. I get that, that if you want to do it, you should be able to do it, and it matters because it popped in your little brain, and you're the man, and you're the woman, and, then that, and that's just the way it is, right? But here's the thing, and I know that this is going to hurt. I know it's going to sting, and I know maybe you're not aware of this, but you're not God. You don't get to call the shots. You didn't create yourself. God created you. You don't get to dictate and decide how you spend this life that he gave you. He created you. He breathed life into you. And then he sacrificed his son for you. He owns you. You are his. He is not yours. And there's a very specific realm of what God wants you to spend your life doing. And apart from you spending your life doing that, it is nothingness. It's nothingness. So I think that there is a reasonable amount of fear that we should have. And making sure that we do the things that God called us to do. Do the things that God called us to do. And I want to teach us this morning, and I feel like Christ gives us this. I want to teach us this morning how to make sure 
that we are always, every single day, no matter where we are in life, every single day, we're in that sphere of purpose. We're not in the realm of nothingness, but we're in the realm of getting the job done the way that Christ wants us to. There's a scripture that he says, right here, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So here's something I want you to understand about your life. And I want, I want you to get this, because I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with this in just a minute. I want you to understand that no matter what you think, and no matter what uh, some science teacher tried to teach you, or some way, you are not an accident. Absolutely, 100%, you are not an accident. Well, you don't know the story in my life. They definitely didn't mean to have me in the backseat of that car in 1974. You were not an accident. There is not a single human being on this planet that is an accident. Every single person was very intentionally created by God. Every single person. And on top of that, because every single person was very intentionally created by God and none of us are accidents, that means that we are here on purpose. And I want you to understand this, that nobody was standing around the earth going, God, send us Jesus. God, show us the way. God, God looked down on the earth, saw us in our sins, saw us in our depravity, and then he sent his son to let us know that we are not by accidents, that we are on purpose. We didn't really choose him, but God chose us. God came into our life. God came into where we were. He made himself known through Jesus Christ and through the gospel and through the resurrection of Christ. He made his greatness known. He made his knowledge known. And on top of that, it says that he appointed you. That he, he chose you and he appointed you to do what? Bear fruit. Not just fruit, but fruit that lasts. Now, I want you to, I want you to get this. Let us say that God appointed you to be a preacher. God appointed you to be a missionary. God appointed you to be a businessman. God appointed you, fill in the blank. See, sometimes we get so fixated on this idea of what's this thing? What's this purpose? What's the thing am I supposed to do? What's the calling on my life? What's that thing on my life? That, that one thing. What is that one thing? And I want to show you something. That one thing is not our job to figure out. It's God's job to reveal it to us. Amen. And you need to write that down. Because I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to free you from stu some stupidity somebody put in your heart sometime. It's not your job to go through and search through life and to figure out what it is that you're supposed to do. It's God's job to reveal it to you when you're ready to do the thing. But what God says that you're appointed to, he says you are appointed right now. That doesn't mean sometime in the future, maybe when you grow up, maybe when you graduate from high school, maybe when you get a job, maybe when you get financially stable, maybe when you get mature enough, maybe when you get married, maybe when you start having kids, maybe when you retire. There's nowhere where he says you're appointed at a certain time. He says right now in this moment, wherever you are, however old you are, right now in this moment, you are appointed to bear fruit, not just fruit, but fruit that lasts. That's what you're appointed to do. Every single person in this room right now, in this moment, when you leave this room and you leave this building, God has appointed you to bear fruit today, not tomorrow, not next year, not 10 years from now, but right now, today, God's appointed you to bear fruit. And so for right now in this life, that is what? That is your purpose. 
No, y'all, I mean, y'all don't have to clap. Y'all don't have to clap. They don't want to clap because they don't want to do anything. See, the modern American church, we don't want to do anything. Right? Man, we want to come to church and we want to sit and we want to receive and we want to get the word and we want to do, we want to do our thing. But I mean, when we leave here, who's it about? Let's just be honest. Maybe not you, maybe just me. When we leave here, Maybe not Sunday morning, maybe not when we're rocking out with a worship band, maybe not when we've got our hands held high and the Spirit of God in here and the presence of God in here. In this moment, it's about God. But when we leave here, who's it about? It's about us. And so we take everything we are, and life is about, I want you to listen to me, because I'm about, I'm, life is about us. You say life's about something, but life's about you. Life's about your power. Life's about your wealth. Life's about your vanity. Life's about your growth. Life's about you. Life's about that next position. Life's about that next promotion. Life's about that next guy. Life's about that next girl. Life's about you. Life's about what makes me happy. Life's about what makes me feel fulfilled. Life's about this. Life's about me. Life's about you. If I keep going, it'd probably be a rap song soon. Life's about you, man. Life's about you, whoa, man. That was woman. So I came to this fundamental belief a few months ago that I was the most prideful, arrogant, selfish human being in the history of the planet. Because despite studying this word every single day of my life and despite doing everything, at the end of the day, man, it's still about me. It's still about who I am. And everything that I've had, the majority of my life, I've used everything within my power to build up me, to build up my kingdom, to build up my image to build up who I am, to build up my wealth, to build up my stability, to build up me. And if you take this, because I've seen people take this right here, and they, they forget the context that it's in. They forget the paragraph that it's right in the middle of. And so I've heard preachers take this very wrongly, and they say, God's got something great for you. God's got something great for you. He's gonna, if you begin to honor God, you're going to get rich. If you begin to honor God, you're going to get faith. He's going to, build, he's going to be you. You're going to be great. You're going to do these things. It's all about you because God's appointed you and he's chosen you. And, and hey, he even says that uh, if you ask anything in his name, he'll give it to you. It unlocks the power of God. He becomes a genie to fill your life with riches, wealth, and fame. Right? So I want to read this in the context at which it's in. The words before it and the words after it. Starts here. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. So he's saying, I'm telling you the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Now, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. 
So if you take the paragraph, and let's just look through this together. Let's just, let's just go to school. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. So he says, my command is that you love each other the way that I loved you. Greater love has no one. No one has any greater love than this to lay down one's life, to sacrifice one's life, to give up one's life, to give up self, sacrifice self, give away self. Self doesn't matter. You sacrifice it for one's who? Friends. At the bottom, he finishes, this is my command, love each other. Everything in that paragraph has to do with who? Has to do about what? Love, sacrificing self for the sake of friends, of others. See, I told you, so you can take this message and you, you, can, you can leave with it today and nothing has to change. Or you can let God speak to your heart. Let God convict you because almost every single American needs convicting about this because we have an entire culture, an entire world, an entire government, an entire new political system. It's all built about us and what we're entitled to and all the things we deserve and how amazing we are. And Christ says, listen, my command is for you to love each other the way that I loved you and there's no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Within this realm and within this context, he says, I've chosen you and I've appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. So what this does is, is this idea of love begins to transform different things in our lives. It begins to transform things. It begins to change the way that we think about things. It should cause us to have a paradigm shift in the way that we view people and the way that we view our talents and our abilities and our gifts and our careers and our callings and our positions. It should, it should have a way we should shift in the way that we think about everything. Because right now, I want everybody to listen to me. I'm not, I'm not con condemning you. The Spirit of God may be convicting you, but I'm not condemning you, and I, I want you to hang on to me. Because most of us, most of the time, not everybody, but most of us, most of the time, the majority of the time, we take all that we are, all the things that God has given us, and we go out into the world outside the sphere of purpose, and we use all those things for ourselves. And Christ says that love, that we're pointed to bear fruit, and that love transforms and it, it, the way that we think about those things. And when we really put love then through the lens of love and we put that down and we begin to look at the world through that lens of love, then we realize that everything that God gave us wasn't for ourselves, but it was for others. So it transforms everything. It transforms everything. So I just want to, just so you can understand this, so we can kind of go down this path together. The first thing, one of the first things that love will begin, love will transform your abilities into purpose. Love will begin to transform your abilities into purpose. And what I mean by that is, is I am who I am, right? If you know me, you know that, that I, 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 I am me, that I have a, a personality, uh, and, and some people like it and some people don't. I have uh, a lot of weaknesses, a few gifts, a few abilities, a few talents, but I am, I am who I am. But the way that I am and who I am, I've been this way all my life, and I'll probably die this way in many ways. But who I am, I am because God made me that way. And I think there's positive and negatives to everybody's abilities and everybody's strengths. 
And I do have some abilities. I have a whole bunch of weaknesses. That's a different message. I have some abilities. And these abilities that I've had in my life, I've had since when? Since I was born. Anybody want to guess what the greatest ability of my life is? To run my mouth. (laughs) To talk. Ever since I was younger, I'm telling you, ever since I was younger, I have been able to to take things and, and, and restructure them and communicate them in such a way that people understand them. Always. I've always been like that. I've been able to take things that were, I, I remember being in certain situations where people would take things and they're so complex and they're so this or that. And I could see somebody's face and they just didn't get it. And I, w- I would be able to, to take that and restructure it in a little box that they could understand and give it to them. And then they could get that. It's pretty good because I'm a preacher. That's, I'm glad that I have that. But I've always had that ability. But that ability hasn't always been equal to my purpose. Because for many, 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 many years of my life, And in many many and most situations, I've taken that ability and a few other of my abilities and I've used them for my own gain and for my own kingdom and for me. But when you begin to really understand that life isn't about you, that life is about others, and that God didn't give me any of the abilities that I have uh, for me, but they gave them to me for others, and you begin to look through life through the lens of, uh, of, of love, then you realize that that love that he's, or that, that ability that he's given you is actually he's given that to you so that you could use it for the sake of other people in your life, for the sake of your friends, for the sake of the people around you. And see, there's a lot of you, you're, you're, you have the ability, I'm telling you, you have the ability to lead. Or some of you just have the ability to lead. People just follow you. You were born with it. Nobody taught it to you. You just woke up one day and started the walk and turned around and people were following you. And most of your life, you have used that for your gain, for your climbing of the corporate ladder. You've used that for all for you. And there's nothing really wrong with, with using that as long as you use that for others. But you don't. So that right now, that's just an ability in your life, but it's not connected to your purpose yet because you're not understanding that that ability is to be laid down, is to be sacrificed, is to be given up for the sake of others. There's some of you, you just have the ability to make money. It, it blows my mind. You could give, I'm telling you, there's people who could turn dirt into gold. They sit in this room. It doesn't matter what business it is. It doesn't matter what, if it's stocks, it doesn't matter what it is. They just have the ability to just turn stuff into money. Blows my mind. Wish they'd give me some. Right, And they've used that, that, that sense, whatever you want to call it, business sense, whatever you want to call it. It's just the way people are gifted like that. They just, you ever met somebody like that? You hate them. You hate them. They just, they just they see things differently. They, just, they understand timing. It's just, and they're gifted for that, and they just know how to make money. That's a gift. That's an ability that God has given you. And the majority of your life, you've used it for your own benefit. And God says you need to lay down that ability for the sake of others, for the sake of God's kingdom, for the sake of the church. Some of you just, you got musical ability, you got artistic ability. That's all, I mean, just, you go down the line. You have abilities and talents, you know you do, because we're prideful and you know what you're good at. Always, we always play this game, I interview people, and we're doing it, everything's, what's some of your strengths? List always like 55 things on, what's your weaknesses? Um, I, I really, I'm on time too much. I just work too hard, it's just, it's what I do. You know your strengths. You know your abilities. That ability, God gave you not for your benefit, but for others. Love will transform your effort into effectiveness. Right? This is a big one. 
Because they're this, we're just made, we're made to be busy in America. That's just what we feel like we need to be. We just need to be busy. We need to be doing something. We need to be at the gym. We need to be having hobbies. We need to have a job. We need to have a second job. We need to have this. We need to do that. We just, we're just busy and we just move and we get through our whole life. That is called effort and energy. And you have some. All right, you may not have as much as somebody else, but you have effort and you have energy. Some of you, some of you, you use that effort and energy to relax a lot. Right, but you have effort and you have energy. And you could do, and listen, I want you to just think about the possibilities. You could do anything you wanted every day, all day. Take all your free time. You could do a thousand different things. You choose to do the things you do because you choose to do them. I love when people say, I don't have time. You always have time to do the things that you want to do, period. You have effort, you have energy. And when you recognize that that effort and that energy isn't for you, it's not for self, that it's for others, that love will come in and it will transform that effort and energy into actual effectiveness so that you're spending it doing the things that matter the most. Does that make sense? Love will transform that effort into effectiveness. It'll transform the energy that you're spending getting really good at, uh, I don't know, Candy Crush, or get really good at perfecting that, that, that golf swing, or the effort and the energy that you're spending getting really good at all these other things, not bad things, into actually something that matters in the kingdom of God. See, as I'm telling you, you have a lot of effort, you have a lot of energy, you have a lot of time, and you use it all for you. Use it all for you. But when love comes in, it'll transform it, and you realize all that effort, all that energy can become actually effective for the sake of others. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. Love will transform, and this is one I, I, I want you to, re- I want, I'm going to close on this. I want you to understand this. Love will transform your position into appointment. And here's what I mean by that. Is right now in this moment, you have a position. Joseph, your position, you're sitting on the front row on the first chair. Raise your hand so everybody sees Joseph. It's Joseph. Now he's in a, he's got a position. Maybe, maybe you, you are your ninth grade and you, you go to science class. You're on the second row in the third seat. In that moment, you're, you're somewhere, right? You have a position right there in that moment. Now you don't value that position because I hated science class. Joseph may not value that seat that he's sitting in. Some of you, you got jobs. Right? And, and no matter where you are, whether you're the boss, you're the manager, or, or you're the guy at the bottom of the totem pole, there's a position you have right there in that moment in this life. You have a position. And you don't value it because you're looking for the next thing. And this is what love will do. You will realize when you, when you understand this concept of laying down your life and laying down your abilities and laying down who you are for the sake of others, you will understand that no matter where you are, you are appointed to bear fruit. And that you are right now where you are because God Almighty put you there. The second row of science class, the first row at church, the bottom of the totem pole at work. You work at Walmart. You work at Burger King. You work at five-star restaurant. You sell houses. You sell boats. You make race cars. You're a teacher. You build stuff. Some of you are really good at doing nothing. You're a professional entitlement person. 
right? You've been very strategic to put yourself in a position to where you don't have to do anything. No matter where you are, I'm telling you, even if you got where you are because of sin, I want you to understand this. Even if you got where you are because of sin, even if there's somebody right now that will never hear this message that's sitting inside of a prison cell for a heinous crime, right there in that place, he has position. And God says that every single person is called, chosen, and appointed right there in that place to bear fruit. And love for others, love for your friends will allow you to see that. Because there's a lot of you, and I'm going to help you out. There's a lot of you, you want something more, but you're not using what God's already given you to do what he's called you to do. So why on earth would he give you more? See, you devalue your position and you're looking for a promotion, but why would he ever promote you if you're not doing what he's already called you to do with the position that he's given you? And let me tell you why you don't value. Let me tell you why. I'm going to help you out here. All you that you don't understand the power of your position, you don't understand the power of where you are, you don't get it. It's because you don't value the people that are around you at the end of the day. You don't value the person sitting next to you in science class. You don't value that person that's working for you. You don't value the person that you're working for. You're not valuing the person that you're sitting next to. You're not valuing the person that comes through your business every day. You're not valuing those people that God has put you around. He's positioned you right in the middle of people. And you don't value them and you don't love them and that's why you don't value your position. Because if you loved people, if you really loved people and you were ready to sacrifice your life the way that Christ sacrificed his life for us and to love them the way that he loved us, then you would understand no matter where you are in life, God has put you there for the person that's right next to you. And you have an appointment with that person to bear fruit in their life, to shine the light of Christ, to shine the love of God in their life. But you're too worried about the next phase or you're too worried about that thing and you're missing the eternal opportunities that are sitting right next to you. But when you really start to see love for what it is and you really say, I'm going to love them the way that Christ loved me, then you understand no matter where you are, no matter where God has positioned you, that there are people to be loved right there in that moment. And that when you begin to operate in that love and you begin to, to operate in that, that position becomes an appointment and God shows up. And then the gardener process starts back over again. And then he'll, if you're a good steward with the position you're in now, he'll give you a bigger position, a more influential position. I believe that with all my heart. Raise your hands if you were here when there was like 25 of us. Remember, there was a few more and then they said, hey, Jordan's gonna be the pastor and, and almost everybody left. The people that stayed, just raise your hand really fast. I just, I just want to see. All right, just a few. If I didn't value those people, if I didn't come in and preach my heart out to those people, if I didn't come in and pour myself out every single Sunday morning for the sake of those people, because that was the position that he put me in, do you think that we would have what we have today here? Do you think that he would have allowed me the honor of preaching to the rest of you if I didn't value the people who were there on that day? I'm telling you, I don't understand this. God has put you where he's put you. And if you don't learn to value the position that you're in, he may take it away from you. 
See, we forget, we forget about scriptures where it says, remember when he was talking about the, the, the talents? See, I'm telling you, this goes against culture. This goes against the entitlement mentality. Well, everybody gets some. No, God says, I'm giving you one, I'm giving you five, and I'm giving you 10. And the one that did with 10, he doubled it. The one that didn't do anything with the one he had, God said, take it away from him and give it to the one that will do something with it. That is a biblical, godly principle. Love will say, do everything in your power, no matter where you are, for the people that are around you, right here and the now. Do something with the abilities that God's given you. Do something with the effort and the energy that God's given you. Do something with the money that God's given you. Do something with the resources that God's given you. Do something for the people that are around you. Because God has appointed you to love those people the way that he loved you. And that means sacrificing what you want for what they need. Sacrificing what you desire for what might change their life forever. Sacrificing your power and your pride and sacrificing your promotion for their wants and their needs. When Christ washed the disciples' feet, this is the most powerful man in the universe who's about to lay down his life for his friends. He bowed down and he washed their feet. And in that culture, that was, the, the, that was one of the most heinous things that could be done. And he says, but this is the way I want you to live your life. I want you to live your life in sacrifice. I want you to live your life in humility. And I want you to take everything that you have and use it for the good of other people. I want you to leverage any power you have for the sake of other people. I want you to leverage any finances that you have for the sake of other people. I want you to leverage any talent or abilities you have for the sake of other people. I want you to bow down and wash their feet instead of expecting them to bow down to you. Pride will take away your purpose faster than anything else. God has called us to love every single person that's around us the way that he loved us. As long as we're doing that, guess what? We're in our realm of purpose. As long as we're doing that, God will reveal to you the next step. God will open up the door to the next thing. But if you're not loving those people around you, if you're not using what he's given you for the sake of the people around you, you're missing the entire point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's called us to be servants. He's called us to live a life of sacrifice. And you can do that right now, no matter who you are or where you are, because God's positioned you and placed people around you. So my call to you this week is to just on Monday morning, maybe put a reminder in your phone. Monday morning, 11 o'clock, set an alarm. And as soon as that alarm goes off, you look around at the people around you in that moment. And for this season of your life, that's who God has called you to love. If you guys will stand with me. Father God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit and your presence rest in this house, God. I pray, Lord, that you will move in our hearts and move in our lives, God. Let us know, Lord, that you have positioned us very intentionally and very strategically and surrounded us with people You've given us gifts, abilities, and talents. You've given us position, energy, effort, resources. 
I pray, Lord God, that we will begin to use those things and leverage those things out of love for the sake of the people that you put around us. I pray, Lord, that we will understand that our life is not about building kingdoms of man, but it's about building the kingdom of God. That we will find more joy, more contentment, more satisfaction in the sacrificing for others than we will for building up our own stuff. I pray, Lord, that you will let this principle, God, this idea of loving others like, like you have loved us, God, set in deep, Father. And I pray, Lord, this week, whenever we realize, if it's Monday or Tuesday and we just stop, just put this thought in our heart. Let us look around and know these are the people that are around me. These are the people that God has called me to love today. I pray, Lord, that you will set our church on fire internally, God. Let our hearts turn from inward to outward, God. Turn from self to others, God. Let us not just learn about you, God, but let us live life like you did. Let your spirit be with us, and God, just worship us.